0: do you think my word is like fire he's not like asking them for feedback Um, he's asking the question so that they would ask themselves the question and come to the conclusion that yes the word of God is like fire his word is like fire in fact the the proper answer here is, is what is really the proper answer to many things in life is yes Lord yes Lord the word is like fire fire is significant to us uh, in many ways. In fact, it's a frequent theme in the Word of God. There's at least sixty-eight different places in Scripture where God's word refers to fire. It uses fire as a symbol. It uses fire as actually and in, involved in many stories. There there's many things that happen and occur in scripture involving fire. And here in Jeremiah 23, God speaks to his people, the Israelites. And he says that my word, the Bible, scripture is like fire. So, what is fire significant? In? What is its significance to us as humans? Fire has been significant as long as humans have been around. Fire is significant in our generation. Uh, fire is significant to us. But, but if you were just to go back just a few generations, maybe five or six generations back in history, before electricity was prevalent, fire was huge. That you were not going to survive without access. To fire. If you didn't have fire, you were in trouble. What did fire do? Fire did many things for people. Uh, Fire provided them with warmth. Uh, Man, before, now we live in Mississippi, so maybe ancient Mississippians didn't need fire all year long for warmth, but there is a time coming, in fact, it's not too far away, where at night you're going to be a little bit cold if you don't have the heat on. I don't know if you guys have already. Had to turn the heat on. We haven't done it in the house, but last Wednesday morning, I I got up about 4.15, and I got in the car about 5 to drive in for for our man up, and uh, it was cold Wednesday morning, and I actually turned the heat on in my truck for the first time, and I don't know if this happens to you, but the first time I turned the heat on, it stunk. Uh, there, there's like a stench that comes. There's like some dust that gathers on the heater or something. I don't know what it is, but you turn it on, and it and kind of stinks. And then you turn it on the next time, and it's fine. So just here's your warning. Be ready. Sometime probably in the month of October, you're going to turn the heat on at the house, you're going to turn the heat on in the car, and it's probably going to smell. Um, but we have access to electric heat that most, most humans in history have not had. So they turn to fire for warmth. If they didn't have access to fire, they're going to freeze. Life was going to be miserable. It was going to be very very uncomfortable not only did fire provide warmth but because it provided warmth fire provided a means to cooking food man would go out and, and hunt and whether it was bringing back a deer or a buffalo or a lion or whatever animal that was that we were bringing home you weren't eating it like sushi right like you didn't eat it you didn't just carve into it uh you wanted to cook that thing what did it do it made it taste better uh, and it made it safer primarily. And so you would have fire and you would grill that thing up or that wild boar or that fish or whatever it was. You would heat it up and then you'd be able to eat it and it'd be safe for you and your family. So fire provided warmth. It provided the opportunity to cook. Fire also provided light. Before electricity was around, uh, if once the sun went down, you couldn't see unless you had the ability to produce some fire, whether you contained that fire in a lamp or you lit that fire on a torch, fire was the way to illuminate what was going on. It was the way to reveal what is happening in the dark. Fire was massively important in the context that Jesus made, or that God made this declaration. That this was not just something that, you know, today fire is kind of like something that you've got like a pyromaniac. My brother was a pyromaniac. He was always carrying a lighter and like burning something. Like, you know, like that's what you think of when you think of fire, like Beavis and Butthead, right? Like, ah, fire, fire. Well, that's not what God's talking about in Jeremiah 23. It wasn't a joke to them. Fire was life. Fire was everything. If you didn't have fire, you didn't have much at all. And so that's what God is referring to in this way. In fact, I think it's this last characteristic we just discussed of fire that is most significant. Fire illuminates. Fire allows us to see the things that we could not otherwise see. And that is what's so similar, I believe, between fire in the Word of God. When we open up the Word of God, you see there are spiritual truths that are out there that we just don't have access to with our physical mind, with our physical eyes. And when we open the Word of God, all of a sudden our eyes begin to open to things that were already there, things that were already going on, things that God had already done that we just couldn't see. Fire reveals to us things that we couldn't see without it, and that's what the Word of God does. So what I want to do today We're going to look at five things that the fire of God's word reveals to us. Five things. When we open up the book and we look into the word of God, five things that we begin to see about God that we don't see otherwise. You see, the word reveals all kinds of stuff. It reveals stuff about us. It reveals stuff about the past. It reveals stuff about the future. It reveals stuff about mankind. It reveals stuff about all of that. But but I think most importantly, the word of God reveals to us God shows us who he is. It shows us how he operates. It shows us how he moves in our lives. So today, as we look at how the word is like fire, I want to show you five things that the fire of God's word reveals as we open it. The first is this. The word reveals his presence. The word of God reveals God's presence. Time and time again, God uses fire to reveal God's presence. In Exodus chapter 3, a very famous story, God appears to a man named Moses probably know it. Moses is out and he's tending sheep and he's out on a hillside and there on the hillside he notices something on fire, a burning bush. And so the the burning bush, the flame draws him in. You that guy you're at the campfire and the flame draws you in? Like You just got to get closer to the fire you you know know what I'm talking about. That was Moses, right? Moses is out he's doing the same thing he's done for 40 years. Same old job, same stuff, it's a different day and all of a sudden something's on fire and it's not burning up. I got to go check this out. So he goes to investigate. He gets closer to the flame. And as he gets closer to the flame, God begins to speak to him. God begins to declare some things to him. God tells him who he is. He says, I am. You can't define me by anything on earth. You can't define me by anything in human terms. I'm greater than that. I'm greater than your existence. I'm greater than your problems. I'm greater than the slavery of your people in Egypt. I am. And so God declares who he is. But he revealed his presence. How? Through a flame. Through the fire. Moses was attracted to the fire, and in the process, he came in to the presence of God. Later on in the book of Exodus and and throughout the next three books of the Bible and the the, the Torah, we see fire again and again used by God to represent his presence. You see, as he's leading the people of Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land, they wander for 40 years. And as they wander for 40 years, God says, hey, I want to make sure you know that I'm with you. So I'm going to send a pillar of cloud during the day. So every time you see that cloud, you know where I am and you can follow me. But at night, you can't see the cloud. So at night, I'm going to send a pillar of fire. And God showed up every night for years in the Israelites' lives in the form of a flame, declaring to them, I'm here. My presence is here. I haven't abandoned you. I haven't forgotten about you. I didn't bring you out of Egypt to let you die in the desert by yourself. I brought you out to bring you to the promised land. I brought you out because I'm taking you somewhere. I brought you out because I've got something for you. i got a future for you. His presence confirmed all those things for the Israelites. And God chose to use a flame to declare his presence. There's an intimate connection between God's word and God's presence. That's why in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says very famously that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. As the apostle John begins to introduce Jesus To you and to me. He doesn't go back to the manger like Matthew and Luke does. He he doesn't talk about shepherds and magi. He says no. He existed before the manger. He existed before the planet. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with the father. He was with God. And yes, he is in fact God. But he calls him the word. Again and again, John refers to Jesus as the word. You see, there's this connection between the presence of God and the word of God. Jesus, in fact, is the word. That's why when we open the word of God, what we're actually doing is we're having God's presence in the form of Jesus revealed to us. We're seeing Jesus throughout scripture. We're seeing Jesus from the beginning to the end. It's all his story telling us about Jesus, telling us about the sacrifice who would die in our place, about the man who would come to be our Lord and our king. Word of God is full of the presence of God. I know sometimes I get in a place where I feel like, man, I can't really feel God's presence just feel distant from God. I just feel far from God, and, and more often than not, in fact, almost every time I've ever felt that way, when I was distant from God, I was distant from the Word. I either wasn't in the Word at all, or when I was in the Word, I wasn't putting my heart into it. I was just doing it just to do it. Amen. when we come to the Word of God, we have access to the presence of God. The fire of His Word reveals to us His presence. Second thing the Word reveals to us is God's passion. One of the things that, that we most often use fire to refer to, especially in kind of a Christian context, is passion, right? Like if you know somebody or or maybe you are that person or were that person at one point in time who was just really, really serious about their walk with God. Man, God is, is number one in my life, as he should be for all of us. Somebody might describe that person as saying, man, that girl, that guy is really on fire for God, right? Like that's the term that we use. Man, that. They just got so much fire for God. They got so much passion for Jesus. We associate fire and passion. And I I think it's true. And I think maybe for some of us, we can look back and say, yeah, I I was on fire for God at one point in time. I was passionate about God, but maybe maybe I'm not as passionate as I used to be. Maybe that flame is now just a flicker. I I believe that we can turn to his word and, and begin to see that flicker come back to life. Begin to see that flame take root in our hearts again. Begin to see that our passion for God. Be, be reintroduced. Uh, I think as we sang today, fire fall down. I told you, man, we're singing. We're, we're asking God for his presence. We're asking him for his power. Uh, I think a, another part of that is, God, just restore my passion. God, I need your fire. I need, your, I need my passion back. I want to I be passionate about you. Again, I think that's one of the things that we can ask. And, and many times we need to come back and, and reconnect with that passion. But, but I believe that as we open the word of God, we don't just see our passion increase. I believe we actually discover his. You see, God is passionate about some things. In fact, in Revelation chapter 19, I had you turn there at the beginning of the message today. Revelation 19, we see this description of Jesus. Now, a lot of times we see Jesus in kind of these, uh, you know, like Middle Ages paintings. And Jesus is like, he's always around sheep. And he's kind of got like this metrosexual beard and hair kind of going on. And and blonde hair, blue eyed. And, you know, all those things are inaccurate, right? But we, we see almost kind of like this sissy picture of Jesus. Well, if you read Revelation 19, you don't see sissy Jesus. Uh, yeah, you see a totally different Jesus. You see a Jesus that 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 will fire you up. Revelation 19, 11 said, "I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. With justice he judges and wages war." He's talking about Christ. It says verse twelve, "His eyes are like blazing fire." You know, that's the, that's the God that we serve. You know one of the things that that breaks my heart is that sometimes churches get kind of this stereotype that we're boring. And in fact, that's one of the top two reasons why people say they don't go to church. No, church is boring. H- how heartbreaking is that? That we could be known as boring, but we serve a God whose eyes are like blazing fire. We serve a God of passion. We serve a God who's fired up about some things. We serve a God who who is so moved by things that he left heaven and came to earth to die in my place. That it was that big of a deal to him. How dare us ever let this thing become routine? How dare we ever let this be lukewarm or mediocre? How dare we ever let this thing not matter? How dare we represent our Lord to a dying and hurting world as, oh man, it's just kind of boring. We got to do better than that. We, we got to care because we serve a God who cares. It says his eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. What do we discover in the word? We discover his presence is Jesus. Verse 14 says the armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. The armies of heaven riding on white horses. That's you and me kind of participating in that. And I don't know about you. I don't know how to ride a horse. So there's going to have to be some learning for me between here and there. One day I'm going to learn in Jesus name. Uh, Verse 15, coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. Verse 16. On his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's not sissy Jesus. That's, that's a warrior, Jesus. You see, sometimes we need Jesus the shepherd, and Jesus was a shepherd. Jesus left the 99 for the one. He cares. He's loving. He's tender. He's there for us in, in, in our hardest moments. But sometimes I don't just need Jesus the shepherd. Sometimes I need Jesus the warrior. Sometimes I need the Jesus who will pick up a sword and who will go to battle for me. Sometimes I need Jesus, the one with the blazing eyes of fire. Jesus is passionate. And see, as we read the word of God, it says his name is the word of God. As we read the word of God, we discover what is God passionate about? God's passionate about a lot of things. But one of the things I think is his greatest passion, perhaps even his number one passion, is God's passionate about people. God cares about people. Number one, God cares about you. He's passionate about you. Your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups. The things that that, that you carried in here today, Travis said, you know, you probably came in here thinking about something on your mind. And sometimes it's hard for us to enter into worship because we're kind of caught up in that. God cares about that stuff. He does. But even more than he cares about that stuff, he cares about you. He cares about your eternity. He cares about your future. But he didn't just care about the people in this room. He cares about the people out there. He is passionate about the lost. And if we serve a God who's passionate for the lost, when we open his book, we see declarations like the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He's going to fire into flame some passion in us for the lost. We need to become like him as we open his book. So it reveals to us the things he cares about. It reveals his passion. It reveals his presence. Number three, the word of God reveals his path. It reveals his path. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. The word of God illuminates where we are going. Makes this picture that the word is just like a lamp that that you're carrying. Again, no electricity, no street lights out there. You're walking through the woods in the dark and you've got this lamp. The word shows you where to step. It illuminates that next step for you. The word of God reveals God's path. To Go back to the book of Exodus. We, we see, again, that this pillar of fire. Well, the fire wasn't there just to tell them God's presence was there, although that was a big deal. It didn't just tell them, hey, I'm here. It said, I'm here and I'm on the move. I'm here and I'm going somewhere. I'm here and I'm taking a path and you can follow behind me. Exodus 13 verse 21 says this. It says, by day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Fire wasn't just there so they could be comforted and warm, that they knew that God was there. The fire was there to say, here's where you need to go. Now, I don't know about you, but I think this is pretty cool. Can you imagine following a fire? If you're following a fire, here's a couple things that that you know in advance. If I walk behind the fire, there's going to be a path opened up for me. I don't have to worry about shrubs. I don't have to worry about trees. Like, nothing's going to be in my way. The path's going to be easy for me to follow. Second thing you know if you follow by the fire, there's not going to be any enemies on that path. Whatever junk is is trying to stop you, it's going to get out of the way because of the fire. God didn't tell the children of Israel, I need you to walk through this and do this on your own. He said, I'm going before you. I'm blazing a trail, and there's nothing that's going to be in your way if you just follow behind me. So when we read the word of God, what are we doing? We're discovering the path of God. He's showing us not just where he is, but where he is going. You know you serve a God that's on the move? He's not just static. Yes, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, but that doesn't mean he's at the same place and doing all the same things. He is moving forward. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. He's got a mission. And if we lurk to the word of God, we see where God is headed because if God's going there, that's where I want to be. I want to follow behind his path, and the word reveals to me his path. It reveals his direction. It's the word of God. Reveals God's presence. The word of God reveals God's passion. The word of God reveals God's path. Number four, the word of God reveals God's power. The word reveals his power. In Acts chapter one, Jesus stands before his followers. He's getting ready to ascend into heaven. He's getting ready to leave this earth. And this is what he tells them. In verse eight, very famously, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the the earth. He says, you will receive power. And we know that Greek word for power is is the word dunamis. It's the same word that we get dynamite from. This is explosive power. This is significant power. This is life-altering power. And Jesus says, you as my follower, I'm going to give you power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So when does the Holy Spirit come on them? The very next chapter. Acts chapter 2. That power that Jesus promised shows up. And in Acts chapter 2, here's what happens. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. When that power that Jesus promised showed up, what did it come in the form of? Fire. Why? Because fire is powerful, right? Like, there's not many things on earth that are more powerful than fire. I don't know if you've ever encountered fire, but fire alters things. When I was three years old, I was hanging out in the living room with my older brother and sister. My parents were out on a date or something, and my, my brother's 12 years older than me, and my sister's 10 years older than me, so they were babysitting and, and watching me. And we were playing Legos. My, my brother was really good at building Lego spaceships. And so he had built me this spaceship, and I'm flying my Legos around the living room. And I come over, and I, I, I rem- this is one of my earliest memories. I remember this so clearly. I came over and, and I put my wrist and I don't know what I was thinking. I was dumb when I was three, apparently. Some of you are like, Yeah, you're still dumb. That's all right. You can think that. I put my wrist on the on the wood-burning stove on our fireplace. And it burned pretty badly. In fact, I, I still remember looking down at my wrist, and I had about that much white skin that just flared up off my wrist in, in various places. It almost looked like fire. It was kind of pointy in, in, in different spots. And of course, my brother and sister freaked out. They probably thought, you know, I don't know if they were freaking out because I was hurt or because they were getting in trouble, maybe both, uh, but, but they freaked out. So my, my brother picks me up, and he runs me to the bathroom. He's trying to, p- like, put cold water from the sink on it. And my sister runs to the fridge, and she grabs the butter, and she's rubbing butter on my wrist. And uh, anyway, I don't even remember all the details of when Mom and Dad got home or how it worked, but I know I went to the ER. It was the first time I'd ever, like, had the ER trip, and I remember being so terrified as they were going to cut that skin off. That dead skin that had flared up, and of course I couldn't feel it, but you see scissors coming for your body and you don't really know what's happening. It's a scary thing. Why am I telling you this? Because when you experience fire, you leave differently. Now, fortunately for me, I was early enough in my life, I was young enough, I don't have any scars on my wrist. My, my body has healed over time. But there was a, very, a point in time where my body was significantly altered because I had come into the presence of fire. When you come into the presence of fire, you can't leave the same way. Something changes, and they put it this way in first service. When you come against fire, fire wins, right? Like, that's just the way that it is. Like, none of us are greater than fire. Fire is going to, to do something to us. And that's what God compares the word of God to, and I don't think it's coincidental. I believe that when we come into the, the fire of God's word, when we open it up, when we experience his power, we're going to be altered. We're going to leave different. We're going to be changed. The fire transitions some things in us. And this is a good fire. This is a healthy fire. This is a fire that makes me better. And it, we leave that word unopened. We neglect it. We leave it there in the corner and never tap into the power that's sitting in our living room. That's right there in our bedroom. That's right there next to us. We neglect that power. And then how many of us would be like, man, I just wish God's power would show up in my life. How many of us, if, if we're honest, and I'd be one of them, would say, you know what? Sometimes, sometimes I just don't see God's power moving in my life the same way that it happened in the Bible. But, but most of the time when I don't feel like God's power is moving in my life, I'm neglecting my access to the power. I, I, I'm being lazy with my time in the word. I'm not putting my heart into the word. And if I will open the book. And allow God's power, that Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today and forever, to speak into my life. His power begins to show up in significant ways. Power is symbolic with fire and in other places in scripture as well. We could turn to the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. We see see this prophet of God who's facing off with these hundreds of prophets of Baal And, and these prophets of Baal. They set up this competition like, hey, who's going to be able to call down fire from heaven? Whose God is going to show up and consume this bull? And so these hundreds of prophets cry out to their God for hours and nothing happens. And Elijah says, you know what? I'm not just going to cry out to my God. I'm going to pour buckets of water over the sacrifice. I'm going to make sure there's no question. that you, There's no way you can even begin to think that I pulled something off here. There's no coincidence here. This is the power of God and nothing else. And Elijah calls out to God and you guys know the story and what happens. fire Fire. presence of God the power of God shows up he consumes the sacrifice because God's word is like fire and it reveals to us his extraordinary power I don't know maybe somebody here needs to hear this today I didn't go this long on this point first service but I feel like I need to stay on this for just a minute we serve a God who has power we serve a God who has more power than the sin that's holding you down this week. We serve a God who has more power than the sickness that is in your body. We serve a God who has more power than, than, than the divorce lawyer who's reached out to you and said your, your spouse wants to leave you. We serve a God who's got more power than your situation. And I believe that we can discover and come face to face with this power when we open the book. It's the power of God's word. It's the fire. So God's word reveals to us his presence, reveals to us his passion. It reveals to us his path. It reveals to us his power. And number five, God's word reveals to us his purity. It reveals his purity. You see, the worship team is going to come down. Don't get distracted. Stick with me. You see, God's word shows us who God is. And yes, God is loving and yes, God is passionate and yes, God cares so much about the lost But let us never water down the fact that we serve a God of holiness, of righteousness. We serve a God who is set apart. What did he declare to Moses when that burning bush showed up? He said, Take off your sandals. The place you are standing is holy ground. In other words, it's different. This place is special. It's unique. It's not like everything else. And then he calls us to his followers and he calls us holy. He says, You're special. You're unique. You're not like everybody else. You serve a God of holiness. You serve a God of righteousness. We serve a God of purity. Many times in Scripture, God God makes this comparison and talks about a refiner's fire. I'm going to read you one example: Zechariah chapter thirteen, verse nine, and then I'll explain it to you. Zechariah thirteen nine. God's talking about the Israelites, and he's talked about two-thirds of them who have turned their back on him, but now he's going to talk about the final third that are his, that are serving him, that are following him. These, These people are symbolic of us, hopefully. He says this. He says, this third I will put into the fire. I will refine them like silver and test them like gold. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say they are my people, and they will say the Lord is our God. Over and over again, we see this picture of of the refiner's fire. Let me explain to you how it works. What would happen is that they would go out and they would mine a precious metal. They'd find gold or they'd find silver. And even to this day, if you were to go out in a a mountainside somewhere or a river somewhere and you found gold that had been buried, you you would pull that up, but it wouldn't be pure gold. It would be gold mixed with some other minerals, mixed with some other stuff. And so what they would do with that gold or that silver is they would put it in a vat And they'd put that vat on a fire, and they'd turn the heat up really, really high until that precious metal melted down, until it became liquid. And once that gold settled or that silver settled, it would be heavier than than the the pollutants. It'd be heavier than the other minerals. So what would happen is all the junk that was in there with the gold would rise to the top. And then the refiner would come with, with a cup or with a scraper, and he would take the top layer off of that gold. Take all that other junk off the top of that gold. He'd get rid of it. So now all that was left was pure gold. And it's said that that, that the way that he knew when he'd gotten all of it, when the way that he knew that that thing had been completely purified, that it was nothing but gold, was when he could look into it and see his face in reflection. And God uses this picture again and again to talk about what he does to his people. He refines us. Some of us today, you're going through the fire, and you—I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know why this is happening. God is turning up the heat because He's trying to get rid of some junk. He's trying to take some stuff out of you. He's trying to remove some stuff that doesn't look like Him. And when He can look at you and He can see, all I see is my own face. All I see is my own reflection. He can turn the heat down, but sometimes He's got to turn the heat up to get some junk out of me, and that heat's not comfortable. It's not fun. Purifying is not fun. This is not like the most exciting thing to preach about. Purity, man. Nobody gets like fired up. Hey, we're doing a purity series. Come to church with us. Right? But it's something that's all throughout the word of God. All throughout the word he talks. I'm coming for a church without spot or wrinkle. I'm coming for a people who are holy mind. Who are all mine. Who don't have anything that doesn't look like me. So he's constantly refining us. He's constantly making us pure. He's constantly making us like him. And the greatest way that we can go through this process is to open the word. Because when I open the word and I look into it, I see, well, that's, that's in me and it's not in God. So it's not pure. And God's spirit can speak and he can breathe on me and say, we need to get rid of this. We need to tweak this. We need to adjust this. Here's the beauty of the Christian life. because What I don't want you to hear today is you got to go out of here and earn your salvation. Because you can't do that. What I don't want you to hear today is i got to go out here and be pure so that God can love me. Because he loved you long before you ever thought about being pure. What I do want you to hear today is this. Jesus came and died for you. And because he died in your place, now God is able to, use, there's a theological term, impute. God's able to impute on you his holiness, his purity, his righteousness. What that means is he's able to ascribe it to you. In other words, uh, it's assigning something to you that belongs to me. So, So if I let you borrow my car, I'm imputing my car onto you. You've got my car. You've got the ability to use that. It's yours, even though it's mine. And so God says, I'm giving you my purity. I'm giving you my holiness. I'm giving you my righteousness. Why? Because you can never come into my presence without it. I can't tolerate sin in my presence. So you can't get rid of your own sin. So I'm just going to give you my holiness. I'm going to give you my purity. I'm going to give you my righteousness. And he imputes that onto his people. So now we have it. But he still calls us to walk in the thing he's already given to us. Remember we talked about that fire that goes ahead of us? You see, his purity has gone ahead of us. His holiness has gone ahead of us. His righteousness has gone ahead of us. He's blazed a trail for us. And now he says, walk behind me. Come behind me. Walk the way that I do. He's made it possible for us to do it. So here's what I feel like God sent me here today to tell you. I'm almost done. Give me two more minutes and we're, we're wrapping up. Here's what I feel like God told me to tell you today. I feel like God said that there is a time coming and perhaps has even begun in the hearts of God's people where there's a restlessness coming where we're not going to be okay with our impurity anymore where we're not going to be okay lowering ourselves to the standard of a culture that denies God where we're not going to be okay looking like everybody else and acting like everybody else I felt like God told me to tell you that his his spirit is on the move and he is wooing and compelling and calling his people to begin to rise up to the level of purity that we already know he's called us to and there's going to be a holy dissatisfaction in us a holy restlessness in us a holy frustration in us until we begin to face up to the fact that there's some stuff in me that's got to change I don't know what that looks like for you Maybe, maybe that's fooling around with somebody you're not married to maybe that's fooling around on a computer And maybe that's partaking and and getting drunk. And you know, I'm I'm going beyond the level that I'm supposed to. Maybe it's putting something in your body. I don't know what it is. But there's a a lack of purity in God's people that that God is getting ready to stir up a lack of satisfaction in us for. That we're not going to be okay with it anymore. Because God's word reveals to us his purity. And as we get in his word, we're going to realize God's calling me to something better. God's got something better for me. And again, please don't hear me saying, you ain't going to heaven. I'm not talking heaven and hell. I'm talking God's best on earth. I'm talking we are missing out on his best for us. Because we're playing around with all kinds of stuff that deep down inside, we know that's not not what he has for us. And he's compelling us to a new level of purity today. And I see some of you shaking your head. And I see some of you looking down like, I don't even want to make eye contact. And it's all good. I ain't mad at you. I love you. I just want you to know he's got something better for you. He's got something better. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to pray and we're going to invite people to receive Jesus like we always do because I think that's important. But after that, we're going to spend a little extra time in worship. And we're going to sing about this fire of God. And so today, if you need some of God's presence in your life, you are gonna sing and invite His power, invite His fire. If you need more of God's path, you need His direction. You're gonna sing and invite His fire because His fire shows His path. If you need more of God's passion and you have just lost, you don't care about the loss like you used to, and you want God's passion in your life again, you're gonna sing and you're gonna invite His power and invite His, his passion. If you need God's power to show up in, in your life, whatever that looks like, we're gonna sing and invite His fire because His fire brings power. And if you need some of God's purity, your We're going to sing, and we're going to invite the fire of the refiner, though it may not be comfortable, though it may require some things of us that we've never given him before. We're going to invite his fire to make us uncomfortable, to make us dissatisfied with where we are, not because we want to earn his love or his salvation, because we could never do that, but because we serve a God who has done so much for us, we want to experience all that he has for us. We're going to invite the fire of his purity into our lives. So would you bow your heads and pray with me.